Thank you. Standing behind a podium as I do, I am tempted because, as you know, I am a preacher. <laughs> and you know, uh, we preachers tend to like the sound of our voices. Uh, one preacher went on for a very long time. And after a long, long sermon, he said, what more can I say? And somebody at the back of the church said, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back um, at this fantastic academy. It's even greater to be able to speak to those I consider to be some of God's best collaborators, young people. For God seems to have a penchant for choosing young people. But I'm not going to be speaking about that. Uh, I, I, I've made that point, and, and it is an important point. Because we oldies, as I was telling a few of you, seem to be going to be leaving you a real messed up world. <laughs> and God has got nobody except yourselves to help God change it all. But what I wanted to say is a little bit of our experience in, in South Africa. After our first democratic elections in 1994, many people expected that blacks would, as soon as a black-led government was installed, go on an orgy of revenge and retribution, which didn't, in fact, happen. It was an extraordinary phenomenon. Because instead of what many feared, they kept saying, give them three months and you're going to see what's going to happen. Give them, when three months went past, they give them some more time. Instead, we had this extraordinary process of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission when perpetrators of often the most gruesome, quite awful, awful crimes would uh, confess those to obtain, if they fulfilled all the conditions that the law laid down, then be granted amnesty. And on the other hand, you had um, victims tell their stories. 
Now, I wanted to say to you, you know, I had expected that I and all of us would be totally devastated, and indeed we were, devastated by the kinds of stories people were telling, devastated by the revelations of the extent to which we human beings can sink low. As for instance, someone come along and say, we gave him drugged coffee, we shot him in the head, and then we burnt his body. And we take, because it takes eight, nine hours for a human body to burn, whilst the, that body was burning there, we were having a barbecue and drinking beer on the side. Sort of two kinds of flesh burning. And you say, what could possibly have happened to the humanity of anyone that they could sink to such levels of depravity? But of course, you see, each one of us in fact, has an extraordinary capacity for evil. Because those who perpetrated ghastly deeds such as the one that I have described didn't walk around with horns protruding from their foreheads and trying very hard to hide the tails that they were dragging behind them. The perpetrators of those atrocities were people like you and me, people who used to go to church, people who were regarded as respectable. So you and I would have to say, Ah, indeed, there but for the grace of God go I. So I thought at the end of the TRC process, I would have, and many of us would have, been going away thoroughly devastated, overwhelmed by the extent of the evil that had been revealed to us. No. I, 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 was, I was totally bowled over by the fact that that was not, in fact, what one took away from that process. What one took away was, hey, human beings are incredible. For you were exhilarated by the incredible magnanimity of people. Someone came, a white woman came to tell us the story of how she had had 
she'd been with friends at a Christmas party at a golf club when one of the liberation movements attacked, attacked the gathering and they threw grenades into the room. Many of her friends were killed. She herself was so badly injured, she, she was in ICU for a very, very extensive time. And when she came out, she couldn't feed herself, she couldn't bathe herself, she couldn't clothe herself. She had to be helped by her children. And you know what she said? She, she said of the, of the condition that, of the experience that left her in that condition, she said, it has enriched my life. <laughs> what? <laughs> it has enriched my life. And while she's trying to make sense of this, and then she says, I'd like to meet the perpetrator. I'd like to meet him in a spirit of forgiveness. I'd like to forgive him, which is incredible. but you could have blown me over with a feather when she went on to say, and I hope he forgives me. And, and then you said, yeah, we have this incredible capacity for evil, but we have even more wonderfully this remarkable capacity for good. And this is what I want to leave you with. That you and I are quite rightly appalled at all of the evil that we often hear about or see on our screens. And that sometimes we say, oh, isn't it awful, awful, awful? Aren't human beings just ghastly creatures? Mm-hmm. But ah, that is not the whole truth. That is not even fact the, in fact the most important truth about human beings. The most important truth about each one of us is that you we are in fact created for goodness. That evil is an aberration. That is precisely why you and I cannot make easy accommodation with it. Because if evil was the norm, all you and I would have been able to say is, it's awful, but tough luck, that's how the cookie crumbles, you know? We are appalled precisely because you and I, somewhere in us, you see, we are programmed in, in the kind of way that says, uh-uh, that's not how we should be. A great African saint said, Christian saint said, thou hast made us for thyself, speaking about God, 
Thou hast made us for thyself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. That you and I are that incredible paradox. The finite made for the infinite. That you and I are made for transcendence and beauty and goodness. I'm going to finish, uh, just in case you are looking at your watch. Uh, <laughs> There's a story of a farmer who in his backyard had a chicken run. And he had a number of chickens there. Uh, but he, there was a funny looking chicken. It was like the other chickens, but not quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a chicken. It looks like a chicken. So somebody who knew about these things came along and said, mm, 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 mm. That's not a chicken. <laughs> That's an eagle. And the farmer said, oh, baloney. I mean, just look at it. It does, it behaves, it, it, it behaves like all other chickens. He says, okay, give it to me. And the farmer gave it to him. And then he, he walked with it to a mountainside and waited for the sun to rise. And he went to the top of the mountain and he turned this strange-looking chicken towards the rising sun. And he said, Fly, eagle, fly. And this strange-looking chicken shook itself, <laughs> spread out its pinions, and lifted off. And he soared and flew towards the rising sun and disappeared. <laughs> God says to you, to me, hey, you are no chicken. <laughs> you are an eagle. Fly, eagle, fly. And God expects you to shake yourself, <laughs> to spread out your pinions, and to lift off and soar so that you fly towards, aha, the rising sun. You fly towards transcendence, fly towards goodness, compassion, gentleness, caring, because you are no chicken, you are an eagle. Fly, eagle.